When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 7-14 Welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He's Paul Dottino. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes. It's presented by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the New York football giants in multiple ways to interact with us here on the program. You give us a ring, 201-939-4513. You can also hit us up on Twitter, hashtag Giants Chat, and you could directly send in questions and comments to us. Matt Lance Meadow, one word, last name, M-E-D-O-W. He is at Giants W-F-A-N. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So today we'll focus on NFL free agency. CBS Sports has a list of who they consider to be their top 100 free agents. Also, they went team-by-team listing franchise tag candidates for all 32 teams, and clearly the Giants are included on that. The window opened on Tuesday. It goes through March 5th, 4 p.m. Eastern. That is the window for teams to tag, and that means the franchise tag, non-exclusive and exclusive, as well as the transition tag. And March 5th passes, then... You can still negotiate with those players, but they very well will test the market, and that means that you're going to have more competition. So as far as the tag, let's start there. Clearly, they list Saquon Barkley as the potential franchise tag player. And I just want to read the little blurb that CBS Sports has here, Paul. Quote, would the Giants actually tag Barkley again? Barkley was the best player on a poor offense, rushing for 962 yards, six touchdowns, 3.9 yards per carry, behind the worst offensive line in the NFL. Barkley would get a raise from just over $10 million to $11.3 million, which the Giants can afford with $19.5 million in available cap space. That's their estimation. Maybe the Giants at Barkley part ways, or they try to get him at a reduced salary. The tag is still an option. And we've talked about that being an option. Xavier McKinney, I think, is the other candidate right behind Saquon if you're assessing the roster. But in terms of value and what Saquon has meant for the offense, yes, I think it goes without saying that the percentage of what he did maybe in comparison to McKinney for the defense, and I'm not even talking about numbers, I'm just talking about pure optics, Paul. I think Barkley gets a significant edge over McKinney from that standpoint. And we saw the running back market last season. I would be surprised if the running back market dramatically changes this offseason, where teams go on a spending spree. So I really think the market's going to be a repeat, but what do we talk about all the time? All it takes is one team. So if you say, right, you could say the market is going to be as is, but if Barkley does hit the market and one team has some flexibility in the cap, all it takes is one team that is willing to blow him away. So the thought process can't simply be, well, the running back market is going to stay as is because if one of the 32 teams wants to be ultra-aggressive, that's all the competition that is needed for you to be concerned if you're worried about losing him. Your premise holds water. There's no question about that. We did see that Mike Florio of NBC's Pro Football Talk did put out a post the other day that indicated he had a, again, he says that he's got a very high up and reliable source that says the salary cap won't be between 240 and 245, but it will be 250. Now, I personally think, and I'm taking a guess here, folks, so don't, again, don't go putting it out there as a news headline, but remember when Joe Shane said at the end of the season, um, I'm going to, uh, you know, talk to Barkley's reps at the Combine? Well, that's when the final salary cap number comes in for the season. Um, in all honesty, 
if I were in his spot, I'm not going to tell you what Joe's thinking, but I'm telling you if I were in his spot, I would want to know exactly what the number is sure. and how much room I have to breathe or even finagle a little bit before I start talking to his people. Honestly, I would. I'd want to know. So it comes as no surprise to me that we're going to hear the salary cap number during the combine, and that's when Joe Shane's going to talk to Barkley's rep. That doesn't surprise me in the least. It makes perfect sense. And for anyone out there who is looking at the numbers and saying, well, you know, maybe the Giants can't do this or can't do that, looks like it could be a little tight, well, Maybe if the number really is 250, as Florio is describing, maybe that extra half a dozen million in wiggle room. Possible. Uh, maybe there's a little bit of dollars and cents within that little gap that could make the difference in a deal. The other thing is that coincides with the start of the new league year and the salary cap is also what the franchise tag numbers are too. Sure. So I think you want to have solidification on that front before you talk any numbers because, I mean, let's face it, Barkley's agent and his representatives, and you can discuss all you want about what was negotiated last season, but normally the franchise tag is a starting point for most mm -hmm. negotiations with respect to the running back position. So they want to know the number and the number is going to be slightly up from where it was last season, because if the salary cap goes up, then normally the individual franchise tag numbers increase in comparison to that. So I think you want all of that intel before you throw out any parameters for a deal or even a one-year contract. It makes perfect sense. Why would anybody want to start talking about a contract until you know exactly where your numbers stand? So that's why, to me, personally... I believe anything that you're reading about contract talks or likely to or not likely to, blah, 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 is all smoke. It's all smoke. These teams don't even know exactly what the numbers are yet. So how can they truly be expected to hunker down? And yeah, maybe they have an inkling of what they'd like to do, but we already know that. The Giants are very fond of Barkley. They'd like him to stay. Barkley's already said he wants to stay. We already have the inklings. What we don't have are the nitty-gritty details of how they can make it possible for him to stay. And we won't have that for another week. The other thing to take into consideration also, if you look at the calendar, next week is the Combine. The deadline to give out the franchise tag is March 5th, which mm -hmm. is after the Combine wraps up. Correct. And I've talked about this with you multiple years. You know, everybody talks about, oh, the window opens. It's highly unlikely a team does anything with a tag until the very end of the process because why would you want to lock up the tag? You can rescind it, though, in fairness. You can. And then use it on somebody else. But the bottom line is, what's the rush? What's the point? There's you not. have until March 5th. There's not. So you should wait till March 5th at 3.59 p.m. Eastern, Paul, before you get to the point where you say, okay, we're not going to get a long-term deal done by 4 p.m. Eastern, and then you can give the tag, and that buys you more time until July 15th. I think the other thing that makes me laugh is when I hear a story about somebody saying a team is unlikely to tag a guy. Well, maybe that's because they believe they're going to get a deal done. Sure. They're so, confident from so, that standpoint. Yeah. So what does what what unlikely mean? It may mean well, nothing because they think they're getting a deal. Well, I also think probably unlikely refers to, Paul, if there's a team where you've looked over the roster and you just don't think there's any player that is worthy of receiving the tag. I think there's a lot of scenarios. In that, that regard, yes. Yeah. In that regard, yes. Because the point of why I wanted to bring up CBS Sports' list. They I mean, Chris, Chris Jones is not getting tagged in Kansas City. The number is too ridiculous. Well, I mean, Legereus Sneed is their other candidate, but... If they don't get something done, it's not crazy to think the Chiefs could tag him, Paul, just to buy more time. Well, right? tag to buy time, yeah. not to tag to have him play on it. No. Well, no. I mean, no, that would be... The number is too big. That would be, we don't want him negotiating with other teams. Right. And we'll take it till July 15th. A holding place, Correct. which we talk about all the time. But I think, once again, that is all based on Lejarius Sneed, because you don't want to lose Sneed. Sneed oh. and Trent McDuffie are a great one-two punch at corner. Those three That's players, Sneed, McDuffie, and Jones, are the three guys, if you listen to Steve Spagnolo, uh, the Chiefs defensive coordinator, those are the three guys, as you listen to him talk about the game plan, and there was a great interview Brian Baldinger did with him. It was a one-hour piece 
that was online, and they went through the whole game plan, and they, they played out the Super Bowl in retrospect. And sure. when he talks about those three guys, you can see they were the heart, lungs, and kidney of everything that he was trying to do. Well, look at all the plays that they put their stamps on. McDuffie with yeah. the blitz late in the game. Jones had pressures on Brock Purdy that led to incompletions. And Snead may have not had one play in particular, but very few teams like to throw in his direction consistently because mm -hmm. of how well he plays. But to get back to your point, there are at least 10 teams that CBS Sports lists that says potential franchise tag player none just because they've looked through the roster and there's no one worthy right. of doing that. But... Then you get to some teams where you can go 50-50 on either end of the spectrum because they may have a player on defense as well as having a player on offense. But for the Giants, Barkley was listed. In terms of the rest of the division, just as a comparison, Tony Pollard is in the same boat as Saquon Barkley. He's up for a new deal. So they list Pollard as the Cowboys candidate. And then... As I scroll through the rest of the list, see, Philadelphia has a few players, but a lot of those guys are up there in age, Paul. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if Philly is going to say to itself, hey, we need to tag somebody. DeAndre Swift, for example, is a free agent, but you know how they've utilized running backs. I right. don't know. They let Miles Sanders walk last year. They did. And he didn't have a huge market. So... They have no one listed for Philadelphia. I would not be surprised. The other players they list, for example, are Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. But once again, how much competition at this stage in their careers are they going to receive? If yeah. you're the Eagles, if you really want to bring them back, I think you can work out a one-year deal. I would suspect as much, too. I don't think you need to tag them. And then Washington, they also listed nobody because there's no one of note if you look through the free agents mainly because they parted ways with all of their pass rushers so at this point who's left on the roster plus you also have a brand new gm and a head coach and they may not look at players mm -hmm. the same way as the old regime so that's just a little bit of an idea of what the franchise tag pool looks like then the top 100 nfl free agents that cbs sports also listed there are three players who are currently on the Giants that made the list. You have, of course, Saquon Barkley. You have Xavier McKinney and then Adoree Jackson. He came in at 76. Barkley and McKinney are in the top 30, just to give you an idea. I don't care much for rankings, but if our audience loses <laughs> sleep over it, okay. they have both of those players in the top 30. I think it's interesting, though, to look at who CBS Sports has in the top 10, just to see who may shape the market, Paul. Because, remember, it's not about the Giants operating on an island. It's about what one player may do to reset the market. And then you have to look at the secondary and the third players on the list. Mm -hmm. They may get even more interest because either somebody was taken off the market or somebody got a deal that was like, wow. So here's the top 10. Then we can react to the list. Kirk Cousins, Vikings quarterback. Kansas City Chiefs defensive end Chris Jones comes in at number two. Jaguars elite pass rusher Josh Allen, three. Ravens defensive tackle Justin Matabike is at four. Daniil Hunter is at five, the Vikings pass rusher. So just goes to show you, after Kirk Cousins, you then have four straight guys that have a knack for getting after the quarterback. And by the way, surprise, Jones, Allen, and Matabike can easily be tagged. They may never even see the market right? because elite pass rushers never get an opportunity to test free agents. Very rarely. So these could be the top 10. There may be like three left standing by the time we get to free agency. Mm -hmm. Oh, no surprise. No surprise. Legereus Sneed comes in at six. Chiefs cornerback. Jalen Johnson, the Bears' top defensive back. Brian Burns of the Panthers, another pass rusher at eight. Antoine Winfield Jr. Okay, here's our first safety on the list at nine. And then T. Higgins, Bengals wide receiver, rounds out the top 10. And just outside... Of the top 10 is Christian Wilkins, who had a really strong year with the Miami Dolphins. New defensive coordinator, but still, something tells me Mike McDaniel and company value what he can bring to the table. As I mentioned, Paul, I could see of those 10, seven of those guys, if they can't get deals done, easily could be tagged. And that means, at best, three of them, to me, may hit the market when it's all said and done. I would not disagree with that. I think it's interesting that Barkley is the number one running back at 16, and Josh Jacobs is next at number 24. I mean, that also goes to show you how the continuing decline in running back numbers. Sure. Uh, you know, here, here's what's funny about it, though. And I will say this. 
there were, I think there were more than a dozen running backs this year that ran for 1,000 yards. Now, that's partially because we've added the extra game. Yep. Okay. Over the course of time, I you know, O.J. Simpson was doing it in 14. You know, guys now get 17. But, uh, you know, here's the thing. Um, there's a there's a tide in the NFL or a circle, if you will, where things come and go. And we're back to the point now where more of your playoff teams realize they need to have a good running game. They've got to have balance. A few years ago, video game football was still in vogue. Right now, it's kind of started to tilt back a little bit where teams realize you need to be able to run the ball, you need to have a strong offensive line, and it's not just about getting flashy quarterbacks and flashy wide receivers. It's just not. Okay? The tide has come back around again. You know what they always say, how nostalgia finds a way of resurfacing. Well, that's kind of what's happening right now. We're in the middle of that the last couple of years. You're seeing more and more teams stressing balance and having a a strong line and a strong run game. And those are the teams that are now making better pushes for the postseason. So when, when you keep that in mind, it kind of puts a little bit of a different spin maybe on some of these free agents. Although, as you said... Pass rushers will always be a premium, and they will not likely get to the open market. That is not going to change. I do think, though, we're in a dynamic where some of the other positions may start to move just a little bit. That needle isn't so much plastered to the left side of pass, pass, pass anymore. I think it started to come back a little. I'm with you on the balance point. I just think, I don't know how much it shifts the finances, Paul, because I still think teams, and I'm going to use your list because I did count. There were 12 1,000-yard rushers, so you're on point with that. But I want to go through the list because I think the more and more you look at the names, you'll come to the realization that, yes, teams want to emphasize the run, but they don't have to spend a boatload of money to accomplish that. And and that is, is a totally different question. What I'm saying is, they may be prioritizing more of that aspect of the game. Whether or not they're willing to pay for it or can pay for it is another deal entirely. Because I think the common element you're going to see is a lot of these teams, really good offensive lines, and several running backs that they utilize, but the running back benefited from strong offensive line play. Case in point, one of the 12 is David Montgomery who signed member from the Bears to the Lions. And David Montgomery's towards the tail end of his career. But Montgomery had a very productive year. He did. He and Jameer Gibbs, Gibbs they drafted in the first round. Montgomery's a good back, but that Lions offensive line is really good and really strong. So if you substituted another veteran savvy back that took Montgomery's role and you complimented him with Jameer Gibbs, does the Lions run game fall off a cliff, Paul? My answer would be no. And once again, I'm not doing this to take anything away from David Montgomery, but I think the Lions said, we'll go younger at the position. We'll get a weapon like a Gibbs who can help with the receiving game and the run game. And then let's get a really solid veteran for the room that's got some gas in the tank that can provide a little bit more power. If they went out and they got Miles Sanders, let's say, instead of David Montgomery, do you think the Lions' run game suffers immensely? Does it tilt to the opposite end of the spectrum? Yeah, it, it's uh, that's a hard question to I'm answer. I'm just, once again, I'm throwing it at, it's of course hypothetical. But it's, a, it's, it's, yeah. cer- it's certainly a viable question. It's more uh, of the philosophy I'm bringing. Yeah, in. I mean, yeah. see, the, the, the outlier here is Mostert from Miami. And he's on the list as well, right behind David Montgomery. Okay, yeah. who was a journeyman. I mean, I don't want to be disrespectful. Practice squad to practice squad. Yeah, I don't want yeah. to be disrespectful to him, but no, he was a fair. journeyman. Yeah comes into Miami this year, obviously at a very cap-friendly price. Uh, I think he's over 30, right? He's 31? I can look that up. I believe so. If not, he's borderline. Right and there. and ran for nearly 20 touchdowns at 1,000 yards. And I know they have a chain. I get yeah, it. HN. Yeah, 31, cha- by the way. Chain. Mostert. Yeah. I get it. But Mostert was incredibly important to them becoming a bona fide playoff team. Well, because Ajan got hurt, remember? Yes. So he missed yes. the bulk of the season. You know, and and they got lucky because they didn't have to pay a ton, but 
This is a team that clearly understood the value of a veteran running back who can pound it out because he is not a quick guy. He's more between the tackles. Yeah. And also a good receiver. Sure, no question. Yeah. Well, which is, and again, go to the 49ers. They went, traded to go get McCaffrey, and then made him the richest running back in the league because they said, you know what? We're a really good team, but we got to get over the top. How do we get over the top? We got to get that superstar running back. And we're willing not only to pay and trade, but then we're going to cash, you know, uh, run him to the bank and let him cash in. Well, so, you know, there are teams that do clearly understand the value of having that. And some are more willing to pay than others. But Mostert, and this is where I'll bring back what I was talking he, about. He didn't make money. very much money. Well, I'm bringing up, I'm looking at the highest have. paid running backs in the NFL. And I was going to compare the top 12 paid running backs to the top 12 rushers from last season. But if you go through the list, just to give you an idea, I'm going to read through these names quickly. McCaffrey, Kamara, Jonathan Taylor, Chubb, Jacobs, Aaron Jones, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, Connor, Sanders, Eckler, Montgomery, Mixon, Bijan Robinson, Naheem Hines, Jameer Gibbs, Jamal Williams, Samaj P. Ryan, Alexander Madison, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, yeah. Zeke, yeah. Jeff okay. Wilson, and then Raheem Mostert in terms of salaries right. or running backs. Right. I mean, I named about half the league, even more so. And I get it. The position is a dangerous position. But there is no question that many of those guys over the course of the last two years have been sidetracked by injury. Without a doubt. And, and that's, that's why, part of the game. Well, and that's why some people will automatically say you can depress their number. Well, I understand that. That's I also do. why teams don't want to invest in guys like that. Because they're worried that they are going to get hurt too. I okay. think you just explained the running back okay. market but, in a nutshell. But, but did McCaffrey and the investment that was made in him... Help get the 49ers yes, to the Super Bowl. They certainly reap the rewards. McCaffrey, though, is cut from a very, very different cloth than a lot of running this backs. This is in the why, NFL. though, we yeah. talk about weapons. We talk about guys who are true weapons, not just running backs, but guys who can, you know, I, I call them headache players, guys who, who make teams game plan for them. They are significantly above just being a regular running back. That's where McCaffrey separates himself. I think Barkley does put himself on that shelf. He's not McCaffrey, but he puts himself in that neighborhood and on that shelf. Kamara's another one of those guys. You know, there are a few of them in the league that you have to you have to say, all right, those are difference makers. They're not just running backs. And we we have been in agreement on this since he was drafted. Yeah. Well, that's why there's not one rule of thumb that you should apply exactly. to the position. Exactly. You have to do it with a case-by-case basis. So McCaffrey, yes, I'd be willing to spend more money for McCaffrey than I would for Najee Harris. And then, and then, well, you know what's funny about it, too? San Francisco plays in a decent climate. So they didn't necessarily lean more on a running back because they play in nasty cold winter weather, which is always a common argument, by the way, for keeping the value with the running backs because, oh, we play in a place where we're going to have to run the ball in December. We're going to have to run the ball in January. San Francisco is not in one of those climates, and yet they still saw fit to put the value in their, their buck in the running back. And if you look at this list, the top 12 rushers. And by the way, Miami did. Well, Miami didn't, well, have, to, they didn't, spend the they money. didn't have to spend the no, money. But you're right. The warm climate, but, though. But they're a, war, they're a warm climate, yeah. and they relied heavily on their backs. Well, look at James Conner finished with over 1,000 yards. He plays in Arizona. Sure. Okay, and he came from Pittsburgh. I'm looking through the list. Kyron Williams in Los Angeles mm-hmm. for the Rams. Okay, weather has no bearing exactly. with respect to And that. yet these teams still wanted to run the ball. And David Montgomery plays half his games indoors compared to so, Chicago. you know, proof is in the pudding. Teams are starting to understand more and more of the value of a running game, even if they're not going to open the checkbook for it. They do understand they need to do it. Well, and that brings me to, once again, you look at the top 12 rushers. Kyron Williams was the third leading rusher in the NFL this mm-hmm. season. And he's, of course, on a rookie contract. James Cook which was a pleasant surprise for the Buffalo Bills, given yeah. Josh he, Allen is the, the cold. heavy rusher. He's in the cold. Well, no, but I'm talking about Cook rookie contract. Oh, yes, okay? yes. So those two guys have not been paid yet. And both of those teams could very well move on from these guys when their rookie contract expires and bring in the next individual. Could happen. We've seen that happen. Could happen. We've also seen what Barkley's up against. You draft a guy in the first round, 
You pick up the fifth-year option and then you tag them twice. And then you part ways. That's also a recipe for both teams. And Pollard, Barkley, and Jacobs are the latest individuals that are going to be the test subjects for that mm-hmm. school of thought. Because here we go again. For sure. Where we bring back the same scenario that we had at this time in 2023. All right, so that's a bit of a look at the landscape with respect to some of the top free agents, the franchise tag, and so forth. Let's open up the phone lines. But before we do that, a few reminders. Giants Huddle Podcast, you can check that out on your favorite podcast platform. Or you go to Giants.com slash podcasts. In terms of season membership... Giants fans, you can take your fandom to the next level with a season ticket membership. Stay connected to the club all year round, not just on game days. Memberships are now available for the 2024 season. To learn more about all the exclusive member benefits, visit Giants.com slash tickets. Limited inventory is available. And the Giants official connected TV streaming app, Giants TV. It brings you original video content, game highlights on demand and direct to big blue fans. Giants TV, it's free. It's on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire TV, as well as the Giants mobile app. All right, let's open up the phone lines as we move forward here on BBKL, Thursday's edition. We check in with Cliff in New York. Cliff, what's happening? What do you got for us? Hey, guys. Thanks for the rundown. Uh, just, uh, I wanted to ask a couple of things just to clarify some things uh, about the, where we are in the calendar, the league calendar, and also uh, a couple of questions about the interior lines on both sides. Before I get to that, I just wanted to quickly say uh, I, I, I sure hope Saquon is back. And, and that uh, uh, he continues to grow as a route runner because I didn't see anything diminished last year, and I thought he even got a little better at catching the ball. Um, and I uh, just wanted to get that out of the way. I, I can't think of a better place for him to be. Uh, I, I, just, I just hope we don't have to hear too I hope that's resolved really early in the process. Um, as far as clarification Well, it may go, not, in fairness, if he gets tagged, you could have another long offseason of either him debating playing on the tag or if they get a long-term deal done. Just keep that in mind. Yes, and I, I, what I'm saying is I, I guess I'm saying I hope he doesn't get tagged, and I hope they just sign him to something. Okay. Uh, and, and, yeah. Um, uh, as, as, as far as the calendar goes, is it, is it March 11th when they can start negotiating yeah. and March 13th when they can Correct. sign? Two, two so, days of talking, and then on the 13th, you that's can start start signing guys. New league here. Yep. Or, or handshaking okay, so, guys. You can't. I don't think you'd sign it, but you can handshake. Yeah, no, 11th and 12th, you chat, you talk, right. legal tampering. 13th, you can you could agree the Johnny Hancock on the paper. Yeah. Right. So what's going on between today and then? They're not allowed to talk to their players. They're still under contract, aren't they? Your own guys. Yeah. You can speak to your own guys if you like, but you're not supposed to be speaking about anybody else. Right. So so presumably they've been talking to their own guys, right? I mean, It's possible. They, well, as Paul and I were talking about, it's possible they wait to get to the combine when the numbers are a little bit closer to the start of the new league year and most of the agents are in person at the combine. But yeah, there could very well have been some conversations in passing. Remember, GMs and coaches meet with players in exit interviews once the season ends. Sure. Some of those exit interviews may be, hey, we want to bring you back. We're going to talk to your agent next week. Things like that could be mentioned in passing. Well, but uh, in terms of the conversations then that they have with players between now and the 11th, it doesn't have to be about money, does it? Don't they want to talk to their new coaches? The new coaches don't want to talk to them. You're talking about pending free agents or guys currently on the roster? What are we talking about now? Because you brought in... Well, well, if 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 their contract doesn't expire until the start of the league year, right? They don't become free agents, so... Uh, d- d- can you talk about football matters with your players before before you start talking about money matters? Don't, oh. don't you want to? Well, I mean, you could have a conversation, but you know, once we're in the off season, they're not sending them down with the playbooks anymore. <laughs> That's not what's going on because you know there's rules and regulations in place. But if a new coach arrives and there's a pending free agent, he may have a chat with him and say, you know, I envision utilizing you in this way. Something to think about as you enter the free agency pool. Right. Yeah. Okay, that's what I want to know. Cause yeah. I, 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 yeah. Okay. Well, then meanwhile, uh, back back to the, the trenches, uh, which I think for us is really about the interior of the trenches. I, I think that's where, where the bigger needs are. Uh, two years ago at this time, we the, a comment that was frequently heard was, there's no Quentin Nelson in this draft. So that's my first question. Is there, is there a Quentin Nelson in this draft, an interior lineman that's elite? Elite? No, everybody talks yeah. about the two potential top 10 tackles. Nobody's talking about a potential top 10 guard. 
So that's probably the best answer to your question. Okay. That's what I was afraid of. Now, now, now having said that, yeah. there appears to be three really strong rounds of good offensive linemen, more tackles than guards, but good guards, and three rounds at least of really good wide receivers. Those are your deepest parts of the draft by most accounts. So, as I described on this program a few times in the last couple of weeks, you can upgrade or at least attempt to upgrade the Giants' offensive line if you so choose by taking second or third round offensive linemen. I mean, there's there's potential that those could actually be upgrades, certainly at least competition for what they've got in the building. You don't have to draft first round and then, uh uh-oh, after the first round, there's no offensive lineman that could possibly help upgrade the team. That's not the case. Okay, so that's good for us. Um, Now, on the other side, uh, I've been learning about this this term called the the three technique. It seems like what I've been wishing for 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 a while. See Leonard uh, Williams. That's all you need to do. Leonard Williams was a three technique. That's all you need to know. Right. Now, he actually is a, is a little smaller. Uh, he's not the biggest guy in that position, right? He's like three. You ever met him? <laughs> <laughs> Le- Leonard was a pretty big dude, but okay, go ahead. Well, I just, I'm asking about that because uh, the, 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 uh, the, uh, the, the standard by which that position is measured is, is Aaron Donald, and he's like 280. Is that like uh, a unicorn to be that small? And, yes. And yes. Aaron Donald. Yes. Yeah, I would not start with that example. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron Donald sacks quarterbacks at a ridiculous rate, more so than no, any other not player. A li- but he's not a liability against the run. That was my point. No. Sure. No, he, he is clearly the finest three-technique defensive tackle since the nouveau of three-technique came into play some years ago. Remember, back in the day, there was a nose tackle, there were defensive tackles, and nobody even considered, quote, three technique who are penetrators. Those guys are penetrators and pass rushers. That's only been, I don't know, the last 12, 15 years that people have really started to separate those guys as they're at their own category. Remember, and and you're old enough to know, and no disrespect, but you're old enough to know that over the years, the positions have morphed. And we've actually oh, created more specialized positions than we used to have back in the day. And there's more well, the interchangeability I- between yes. guys that play on the inside and the outside, too. By the way, just to give you a means of comparison, Aaron Donald, 6'1", 280, Leonard Williams, 6'5", 302. Yeah, they're not the same frame yeah. at all. Right. Well, what I, what I remember over the years is that uh, I, when I first started watching, we had all four guys in the 4-3 where we got to the quarterback and the Rams had the same thing, and so did the Vikings. So you know, in, in, in back in those times, and 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 it still seems that when we started worrying about the Eagles and the Cowboys in recent years, they were sort of approaching that whether they had a four-three or not. They they seemed to have more than one guy in the front that was a problem. <laughs> the Eagles had like a nine-man front that yeah. they kept yeah. rotating in and out. A lot of depth, yeah, <laughs> and any of those guys could get to the quarterback at any time. It seemed. And but, but and you know and you and you can't manage that kind of depth on the offensive side of the line because there's too much of them working together. Yeah, I, I don't think you see teams want to go to that degree because you want the center. First of all, you're not going to rotate the center because the center no. and the quarterback need to be on the same page. So therefore, okay. if you're not rotating the center, it's never good to then rotate the guards because then the center needs to build chemistry with the guards. So with the defensive line, it's a little bit easier for guys to line up because they have different individual assignments on various plays compared to the offensive There's line. another practical answer, Cliff. This league has enough trouble fielding a starting five group of offensive linemen on each of its 32 teams without worrying about rotating offensive linemen like you do on the defensive line. That's just, okay. that, they're just, that's. Yeah, it, I mean, that's apples and oranges. It, it's totally, it, yeah, okay. diff, diff, different yeah. equation. Okay. Yeah. All right, okay. Cliff. Okay, yep. one, one more quick Real thing. Real quick. Yeah. So, so on the defensive side, then, for, for, for building up some kind of a pass rush to help Dexter. Do we have to rule out guys that are uh, smaller than Leonard Williams? Why would you want to rule them out, though? I don't, I don't well, understand. Because, because, because they'd be a liability against the run if they're not Aaron Donald. Well, but it depends on how Shane Bowen would want to utilize them. We'll let you go on that note. 
I mean, I don't get caught up. I mean, Aaron Donald's the perfect example. Not that everybody's Aaron Donald, but if you start cutting off guys and you don't want to bring them in because of the size, but they're really good pass rushers, Shane Bowen may utilize some guys as situational pass rushers. Right. There's room for those players on this roster. They may just not be in on run plays. There, again, more emphasis on sub packages now than there have ever been before. So that doesn't mean you can't go and get one of those guys. If you really want one, you just have to know how to use him. Yeah, so I would not rule out a guy based on his size, at least this early in the game. Let's head back to the phone line. Scott is in New Mexico joining us here on BBKL. What's happening, Scott? Hi, guys. How are you doing today? Hi. You're right. Um, I'm a little... Well, first of all, I agree 100% that you need a running attack. Uh, hopefully, Saquon will stay. I don't even think Kansas City makes the playoffs without Pacheco and Hilaire. Uh, I agree with you. They didn't want Mahomes throwing the ball 45 times a game. They really right. didn't. Yeah, Pacheco, no matter how great he is, they did not want Mahomes doing that. Right. And I also agree with you, Paul. I think we move, need to move down in the draft. But what irks me about the Giants, we all know what the problem is. The offensive line has not been very good. And with the outlier of 2022, right. they have not done very well. Why isn't the concentration? We're talking about a, a, a receiver from Washington or um, Malik Neighbors potentially being available, or even Mar- Marvin Harrison potentially being at six. And I think that's the wrong strategy. We have, I don't even know if you guys realize this. Darius Slayton averaged over 15 yards a catch. Mm-hmm. In fact, he did more than Tariq Hill and Debo Samuel. Mm-hmm. And, I'm sa- and I'm saying to myself, he's a great receiver. There's just no time to throw him the ball. They have Wondell Robinson. They have Hodgins. They have Bellinger and Waller. I don't know why the concentration shouldn't be on the offensive line. And as far as guards... There's people like Cooper Beebe and Zach Minter. They will not go in the first round, but certainly early second round. If we move down, we're going to get more draft capital. So I don't understand why the concentration is to take uh, is it Azumbe? I'm not sure of the pronunciation yeah, of it. Well, I, I think I'll give you the answer. The answer is a lot of those guys that you mentioned have not stayed healthy over the course of their careers. I mean, that's the answer. You're banking on that group staying healthy for 17 games. And I don't think there's any proof that the team can do that at this stage. That's the but rationale. you can get injuries with a rookie coming in. The, the logic of that, anybody can get injured at any sure. time. But there's also players with track records of getting hurt. That's the difference. Scott, I, I think, right. I think uh, uh, of the, the preponderance of the media, and, and even I think those of, of, of us who do this show, I think I'm probably more in favor of moving down than any of them. Okay, and you've already said that earlier in the program. Um, When I see the fact that you can get uh, potential improvement, or like as I say, at least competition from guards in the second and third round, uh, that says to me it's okay if you get the right deal to move down because there will be opportunities to get guys. So I think when you mention. I guess your, your phrase was concentration on why not more concentration on improving the offensive line. Correct. Well, I think I would turn around the nomenclature or the semantics on what you're saying because I think, I think even if you take a receiver in the first round, even if you move down four or five spots and take a receiver, if you're going to address the offensive line in the second, third, and maybe fourth, fourth or even second third and fifth rounds isn't that really a concentrated effort on the position it doesn't have to be the one number one pick to be a concentrated effort does it well you you have guys like fuaga uh marius mims these are jc latham there's a plethora of guys you could take and if you move down, those are the guys I'd like to see. Joe Alt, potentially, I know you had some issues that he could play right tackle if necessary, but I think he could. He might be able to. Decide. Yeah, sure. I think the, so, thing, the thing that makes it tough for me, Scott, here's where, here's where the dilemma is for me. I'm, I'm buying what Joe Shane is saying, that they still think that Evan Neal is the starting right tackle on this team. Now, maybe that's a mistake. I don't know, but I'm buying it. I'm willing to go with uh, Carmen Brasillo coming in here, working with Evan Neal, getting the player healthy, and getting him to live up to his billing. I'm willing to buy that. Now, if I do, then that means the the higher priority along the offensive line is going to be the guard spots. 
It's not going to be the tackle spots. So that means for Shanu and Alt, to me, would kind of almost be, I don't want to say wasted picks, but you're not really helping yourself as much if you take one of the two tackles, you know, in the top 10 or 12 picks. Unless they don't feel good about Neil. Unless they don't feel and good about that's Neil. that's a game changer. And I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming that Joe Shane's statement about we still believe that Evan Neal has a future at right tackle, I'm assuming that that is still in play even right. after Brasillo has come in. Sure, but they, they could also look they, at it as – and hold on. We'll, we'll get back to this guy. Sure. They could also look at it as Brasillo came in and said, I think we need to bring in competition. And you know what? We Evan haven't Neal. heard from Joe. Yeah. Okay, we haven't heard from Joe. Maybe Brasillo gave him an evaluation that says, ah, we may want to think about another tackle. Yeah. Maybe that's true, but we don't know that. Right. But, but say, and hopefully it's not the case, say Evan Neal's a bust. He just can't play right tackle. There was one scenario I wanted to go on which will never happen, uh, but Andrew Thomas in college because they had somebody else who was going into the NFL that year at Georgia, played right tackle. Mm -hmm. And he played right tackle, and he wound up being an Mm All-American at right tackle. I'm aware of that. And I'm saying, and if Evan Neal feels more comfortable because of footwork, to potentially, I'm not saying do it. I'm just saying the experiment of trying Evan Neal at left tackle and moving Andrew Thomas, no matter how good he is, which everyone acknowledges he's probably the best left tackle in football right he's now. Certainly one of the top four or five. That's, that's a guarantee. Yeah, I, I, I think he's the best. I don't see that happening. Right. I, I don't think they're going to change that. I, I don't think okay. they're going to deal with if, that. If you I have something really good, they would do something you, you don't like that. mess with that. I mean, that's yeah. what okay. I think most teams will tell you. You run the risk of, of actually hurting two positions Correct. instead of one. Yes, because right. who's to say that he then all of a sudden gets as comfortable on the right side as he's been on the left side? I just side. don't want to mess with him. Yeah, I don't think it's a necessary <laughs> move. I think if you're going to bring in another player, you're bringing in another player because you have confidence okay. he can play on the right side. Yeah, I didn't think it was going to happen, but I just posed it as a possibility only because, as I said, he was the best right tackle Understood. when he was switched in, in his rookie, rookie year at Georgia. Anyways, uh, my last question is this. As I, again, I'm very much opposed to taking receivers because I think we have receivers on the squad. And they well, but, but Scott, see, re- let, me, let me just fight back against that. The, the reason why I disagree sure. with your perspective is you're of the mindset that right now they have a volume of receivers. And then what happens when you get three weeks into the season and three of them get hurt? How good do you feel about your receivers now? See, you're operating under a 53 fully healthy roster. Sure. There is no time in any given season where you have all 53 guys at your disposal. That's why most teams operate with the mindset of you can never have enough at any position because these guys could drop like flies in the span of one game. Right. I'm not disagreeing with you, Lance, but a guy like Dobbs of Green Bay was taken in the fourth round. Sure. And he was one of the best wide receivers in football, and that happens more times than not. It happens for a number of teams that have found wide receivers in the second or the third round. But there's also guys like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, okay, who were selected earlier. Scott, I want want to actually side with you on this. I tend to shy away from doing that because, as we all know, Victor Cruz was an undrafted rookie free agent who was one of the most dynamic receivers this franchise has ever seen. So, So I understand the point, and I would usually shy away. I usually would. Um... But I'm not going to say 100% broad brush, I can't take a wide receiver there. I can't do that. I can't do that. But I understand your tendency. It's okay. Okay. All right, well, thanks, guys. I just wanted to get clarification. You got it, and appreciate the phone call. And I also, I wouldn't look at some of these guys as wide receivers. I look at them as playmakers. That's what you're adding to your roster. Don't box them in to one position. If you utilize neighbors, okay, you're probably going to utilize them out of the backfield a little bit. You're going to move him around. You'll find ways to get yeah. the guy the ball and to become a more significant part of your offense if he is that good. Correct. Wondell Robinson. He becomes, a, he- he becomes yeah. a headache player. Yeah, and, and that's how I think most general managers and front offices look at it. I, I, I get they it. They don't say, oh, well, we have five wide receivers on the roster. What the hell do we need another one? Again, my inclination is probably to shy away from a receiver in the first round, but I do believe, as I felt with Barkley, as the running back taking him at number two. I've hey, he's a weapon. He's a headache player. He is not just a running back. He is really special. You can take him. 
If you have conviction, you're all in, you take them. If there's a wide receiver at six and the Giants are sitting there and they're all in and they have conviction and he's a playmaker and he's going to be a headache player for the other team's defensive coordinator, then go ahead, take him. Well, here's another reason why. Let's not forget how many points the Giants averaged last season. They need points. 15.6 points. They need points. So you really want to sit here and debate over there not being value and taking a playmaker at number six because the offensive line is the only way to solve it? It is. But the offensive line's important. But hold on a minute. The Kansas City Chiefs, okay, they dropped by over a touchdown from 2022 to 2023. Chiefs did not have the worst offensive line in football, so there's more reasons why an offense struggles than just the offensive line. And in Kansas City's case, you're not pointing to the offensive line. Because even if Mahomes was pressured a lot, he's good enough to wiggle out of some of that trouble. The perfect scenario here is that, and of course, there are no guarantees, as you heard me the other day on this show, studied since 2000. Top 10 picks in the draft since 2000. Only 55% of them have made the Pro Bowl. So there is no exact science in picking anybody in the top 10. No matter how much you believe in him, it's basically almost a flip of the coin as to whether or not that guy is going to be a Pro Bowl player. That's what history tells us since 2000. This isn't some 1950s chart, some 1960s or 1970s study. This is since 2000, okay? The perfect scenario is, if you're the Giants... Maybe you get a super stud playmaker at six and you get enhancements to the offensive line in rounds two and three. Sure. Or in free agency. They may bring Or in free agency. Yeah. You know? We got a long way to go before we get to the end of the The point is, you would love to be able to get the playmaker and to get offensive line enhancements. No matter where they're picked, no matter how they're obtained, if you can bring those guys into the building, you're in good shape. Well, and if you look at the two teams at the Super Bowl, just to give you an example... And there are exceptions to every rule. The Niners, one of their guards was Aaron Banks, who was drafted in the second round. Okay, he wasn't a first Who I always liked out of Notre Dame. I I thought he'd be a really nice second or third round pick for somebody, and he has been. Okay, then let's go to Kansas City's side. Now, Kansas City had Joe Tooney, who's an all-pro. But Tooney got hurt, okay? He did not play in the AFC Championship game. He did not play in the Super Bowl. They brought in a guy who I just spoke to on my serious show, Nick Allegretti. Yes. Seventh round pick out of Illinois. And played injured in the Super Bowl, Correct. by the he way, too. Correct. UCLA. UCL. I always say UCLA. That's a new uh, <laughs> ligament, apparently, that we're adding. It's it's labeled Bruin on the body. But anyway, yes, back yes. to normally scheduled programming. He was a player that was consistent and didn't give up many pressures. If you look at his numbers, came out well-graded from the game and has previous starting experience in previous years. So... The point is you can find productive players, specifically at the guard spot, outside of the first round, but let's not be naive. You know, coaching matters. The scheme that you run matters. Absolutely. So the environment plays a role as well. All those factors get meshed together. To, to To have a functional offensive line, it requires more than just the bodies. Yeah. That's really what you're trying to say. 100. And the reason I'm saying that, Paul, is because even if you go with this hypothetical that the last caller came up with where you say take a guard in the first round. Who's to say, to your point, that that guard is going to pan out and you're going to reap the rewards by simply looking to address the interior of the offensive line that early? I will just say this. Certainly Tom Coughlin's two Super Bowl championship teams, okay? Certainly those two. And probably even the 1990 Parcells' second Super Bowl championship team, they were not the most talented offensive lines in the NFL that year. They just were not. But because of the offensive line coaches and because of the chemistry between the players and the smarts of the players and the toughness of the players, well, guess what? They provided this organization with Vince Lombardi trophies. Well, look at who the other Niners guard was this year. John Feliciano, former Giant. That's who they brought in. They drafted Aaron Banks. They signed John Feliciano. The Chiefs, I mentioned, okay, Joe Tooney, but he got hurt. So Nick Allegretti steps in at left guard. Their right guard was Trey Smith, who's a really nice player, but a sixth-round pick in 2021. Mm-hmm. So two teams in the Super Bowl, did they go out and grab first-rounders? No. At guard? Nope. And I guarantee you Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan didn't bring in Tinkerbell 
to you know throw magic potion on these guys and get them to play at an all-pro level. I mean, do you even want me to bring up Kevin Booth? Well, you're bringing it back to the Giants, but I'm using teams no, that but were the but Super I mean, Bowl Ke- a few Kevin, weeks Kevin ago. Booth was on the scrap heap, cut by the Raiders on the scrap heap. Booth could play multiple positions. It turned out to be That's incredibly valuable, so valuable to this to this yeah. franchise. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. I mean, you could put Booth at tackle, I'm sure. And he, he did play a few. His own. He did play no, a few, but few snaps saying, but out there. He was known more for guard and center. Yeah. But I'm telling you, Booth, point being, you don't have to draft the well first round offensive lineman to have a functional offensive line. That's yeah. your point, and that I is, agree. That's my point. Correct. And we're looking at it through many different lens. Yep. In terms of the Giants as well as outside the organization. All right. Let's head back to the phone lines. Joe is in Pennsylvania joining us. What's happening, Joe? Hey, you guys are doing a great job as usual there. Well, appreciate uh, you tuning in. Yes, I, 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 I'm just looking at my biggest concerns. You are talking about uh, signing Barkley and McKinney, and then there's the offensive line and, and uh, the receivers in the draft. But I'm looking at my biggest concern and how we're going to spend our money and everything like that. Maybe uh, uh, that our uh, backup quarterback might be the biggest uh concern there with the way Daniel gets hurt, you know, and I I was just wondering on that, if we sign somebody in free agent, or I'm thinking, do we just have to wait when it comes to the draft and see who comes up if there's a quarterback we like there? Is, Is that a priority before the offensive line or the and then this all ties in to me with how we want to spend our money if we're going to spend it on a uh, a backup quarterback in free agency or I'd like to sign our own guys like uh, Barkley and McKinney. I hate to see them guys go and I was wondering about the uh restricted uh thing there. Does that go all year long uh to, to the start of the season, if you put that on there, that this way you could uh, give these guys an offer. If they don't accept it there, then put the restricted thing on. I don't know how many of them. I think there's two of them. Am I correct? You talk about restricted free agent. Well, you give them a qualifying offer right. and you put a round on it. That's how it operates. And then if somebody else wants to give them an offer, the round well, is, is is what equates to the value of how much that offer has to be. Yep. Uh, yeah, but I'm saying uh, how, lo- how, how long does that go from? When, does that start with the franchise tag to restrict it? Well, normally, I think that before the start of free agency. I don't know you, what his question is, to be well, honest. Well, no, I, I, if I understand, Joe, what he's saying is is that the timeline, once you give the qualifying offer, does it disappear? You're saying like five months in well, well, if the guy doesn't well, sign it? Is, I'm, is that saying, what? I'm saying we can give an offer now to Barkley or McKinney, correct? Well, no, they're not restricted free agents, though. Right, but we can we can give them an offer right now. You can talk with them and negotiate, correct? Yeah. Right, right. But I'm saying, as far as that restricted uh, sign goes, does that start when you can't put that on them until the franchise tag starts? Is that correct? Well, the franchise tag already started. The window okay, for the tag well, started, but they have so not then, been tagged yet. Yeah, but you can tag. But they can be open. correct. Yeah. I don't think, they're, the, to answer your question, if they want to give a qualifying offer to a restricted free agent, they can talk and say, hey, we're going to give this qualifying offer to set the market, if that's what you're referring to. Well, well I'm, I'm saying that the restricted thing, that starts exactly when the franchise tag starts. I mean, I, I'd have to look up the exact date. I, I don't know if it coincides, Joe. Uh, who are you worried about, though, just out of curiosity? Well, well what, I, but, I, what I'm worrying, I don't want to lose Barkley or McKinney. Joe, Joe, hold on here. Barkley and McKinney are not restricted free agents. All right. I, a restricted I, I, free I, agent is like Nick McLeod. Okay. okay? You're restricted right. free agent. I understand, Joe, but Joe, what, Joe. What, what's You're, that other tag we could put on? The transition the, tag. That has nothing to do. I mean. That has nothing to do with restricted free agency. Neither tag, well, okay. neither I, I, tag I, I, has to do with restricted free agency. Uh, this oh, is oh, a oh. T- apples and oranges. Yeah. I'm going right. to give you the uh, list of restricted free agents the Giants have, uh, uh, and if uh, you're worried about one of them, you can ask us, okay? Yeah, uh, there's I, I, Wyatt Davis, Lawrence Cager, Nick McLeod, 
uh, Isaiah no, Hodgins. No, no, Those are restricted I, 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 free agents. I just, so. I just used the wrong wording. Yeah, I'm, no, no. Now, I'm, so what, what, I'm saying fine, using sure. the transition tag. Transition tag. Them. Yes, you could use the transition tag or the franchise tag on one player. You can't Correct. use them on both. Only one player per offseason. Right. So, yes, they uh, could yeah, give it, the it, transition tag to a player. I thought there was two transition tags. No, no, no. no. There's no. one tag. And under the umbrella of tag is the franchise tag and the transition tag. You can only use one tag, either or, on one player every offseason. That's it. That's how oh, it oh, oh, okay. Yeah. So, well, I'd at least put it on, you know, if we make a decent offer to one of them guys, and if they don't accept it, then put the tr- transition on them that at least they can go out there and see what, what they they can get, and, and if you know, if if we can match it, then then we, at least we have the opportunity to match it, correct? Yeah, I mean, they have the opportunity to match it. If you give them the non-exclusive tag, the franchise tag, a player could go out, talk to other teams, and the Giants still have the right to match that as well. Mm-hmm. The only difference is you're talking about two first-rounders that are involved in something like that. The as transition tag, there's no two first-rounders. So it's, just, it's a little bit different in terms of what another team would have to give up if they want to take that player away from you. That's the main difference. Yeah, well, I'm, transition tag sounds good to me for, for one of them guys, at least. Uh, that's the way I'm looking at it. And how would you guys look at, uh, uh, on my concerns there, would you, uh, on the quarterback or the offensive line, what would be your priority there? The backup quarterback or the offensive line? <laughs> All right, well, well, we'll answer that off the air, Joe, and appreciate the phone call. Well, if you're talking about starters on the offensive line, I think you always prioritize starters, Paul, in terms mm-hmm. of your money. That goes without saying. I do think the backup quarterback position is critical, given mm-hmm. Daniel Jones and his injury history. Joe so Shane has said that. I would not dismiss that. But as far as who you could potentially be looking at if the Giants want to go that direction, I brought up the free agent quarterbacks. I'm going to take guys like Kirk Cousins and Baker Mayfield. You're not going to go after A, they don't want to be backups, and B, somebody's going to give them good starting money, including their own teams. Jacoby Brissett is a guy that could be a target, bringing back Tyrod Taylor. Ryan Tannehill, I don't know what type of market, Paul, but Tannehill, if he can't get a starting job, you could throw his name out there. Mitchell Trubisky and Marcus Mariota, okay? I'll leave it at that. You know, that's the cluster of veteran players who have starting experience that financially, I think, could be reasonable targets. Sure. And to be honest, um, with Mariota, with Trubisky, uh, you know, with Tyrod Taylor, you're talking about guys who either A, have some connection to the system and or B, have some mobility within their game that they could run an offense similar to Daniel Jones without having much difficulty. Sure. I'll throw in, Jacoby's got some mobility. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And Jacoby did a decent job when he filled in for Sam Howell this year Mm -hmm. in terms of Washington. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if they wanted to mix it up, Brissett to me is an attractive insurance policy and I think makes a lot of sense. And I don't think you're going to have to overwhelmingly give him money that's going to put your salary cap in a tough situation. I think but it's fair to say those, those guys players. those guys are in a shoebox that you might want to consider if you're in the Giants situation. Yeah. Makes sense. And, and once again, they can go in that direction or they could use the draft mm. to address that. But, I mean, I find it hard to believe that it's going to be Tommy DeVito as the only option behind Daniel Jones. No, I don't think okay? that's going to happen. Somebody else is coming to the team. It's just a matter of is it proven free agent or is it up-and-coming player through the draft. They can go, hey, they can go in both directions, too. They can bring in somebody in the draft, and they could also bring in an established free agent. But I think because of Daniel Jones's track record, after you address the starters, in terms of depth, Paul, that's number one on my list in terms of who you need on the roster in a God-forbid scenario. The backup quarterback is right atop the list mm-hmm. because I think the Giants experienced that firsthand this season. And that is going to do it for us, unless you want to add another item on that topic. Okay? So long. We'll leave it at that. (laughs) Indeed. Well, we'll be back up and running again on Friday for Big Blue Kickoff Live, as we'll continue the conversation on the free agency front, and we'll continue to dissect the difference between restricted free agency as well as the various different tags and so forth. Hey, it's a convoluted system. All joking aside, there's a lot of different layers to 
the NFL salary cap. So, you know, the common fan, it's easy for a lot of these things to go over their head. So don't be ashamed if you don't know the That's why teams have specialists to do Capologists, this. Capologists, exactly. Because even some mm. GMs yes. get bottled down by the numbers. All right, the Giants... We'll be back up and running with us on Big Blue Kickoff Live. And a reminder, in terms of the setup of the program, you can find it various different ways. Part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcast. For Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadow. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest. We'll speak to you on Friday right here on BBKL. Have a good one.